Welcome to Talking Facts, what you need to know about family, food, finance, and fitness. Hosted by the University of Kentucky Family and Consumer Sciences Extension Program, our educators share research knowledge with individuals, families, and communities to improve quality of life. Hello, and welcome to Talking Facts. This is your host, Dr. Jennifer Hunter, Assistant Director for Family Consumer Sciences Extension at the University of Kentucky. Today, I'm pleased to be joined by Dr. Amy Kostelik, our Associate Extension Professor for Adult Development and Aging. Welcome, Amy. Hi, thanks so much for having me, especially this week, Jennifer. This is an important week because September 21st through 25th is the official National Falls Prevention Awareness Week. And it actually, the big Fall Prevention Awareness Day is the first day of fall, September 22nd. And the big push behind this week, this day, is that it's designated to spreading the important public health message about falling is not a normal part of aging and that there are simple steps we can take to reduce the risks of falls. And the reason I say that falling is not a normal part of aging is because too many people just sort of accept, oh, bad things happen when we're old, including falls. Right. And so, Amy, just curiosity for myself, I'm assuming that the fall prevention week was set to go along with the first day of fall. Is that yeah, true? Because that it makes is. it an easy way to remember it. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. And they were also just trying to say, you know, we've got different awareness days or, or you know, we've got the ribbons, the pink ribbon for breast cancer awareness. And, and people have really for a long time tried to make a push to say falls are a big deal. This really is a public health concern. And, and if you think about some of the statistics for example, one in four Americans who are 65 and older fall each year, but less than half tell their doctor. So what this tells us is more people are falling than we really even know, you know, than what's getting reported. We can break it down even further. That I think is astounding. Every 11 seconds, an older adult is treated in an emergency room for a reported fall. Every 19 minutes, an older adult dies from a fall. So again, this is really an important topic because a fall is the number one reason why our older adults lose their independence. And it affects all of us. I mean, we either are susceptible ourselves to falls or we know someone who's older, an older parent, an older relative who's susceptible to falling. I know with my mom now being a widow and living by herself, I worry all the time. She is really healthy, but it's going to take one fall that is going to change her life and really my sister's in my life, you know, potentially for forever because of either fall-related injury or fall-related death, which we know goes hand in hand with, with falls. Right. So I think it's interesting to listen to you talk about some of the statistics associated with fall and falls and the lack of reporting associated with falls. My mom had a substantial fall a, a couple years ago. And, you know, you said that we just should not accept this as part of aging. And she, you could tell it really bothered her because she was afraid that she had fallen because she was aging. Now, really and truly, she was out doing a community service project and there was a you know, odd lip on the sidewalk. And it was just a random fall that anybody could have had. And she did significantly hurt an arm and had to have surgery and all that. Uh, But you could tell she had just this, it was just this hung over her because she was so concerned that it was because that she was aging, that this had happened and that, that she had fallen when really and truly, probably if I had taken the same type tumble, I might have had the same type injury, but you could just tell it really took its toll on her because of that. So let's get started with this 
what is the really a truly a definition of a fall? If I trip or if someone runs into me and I fall, for example, is that considered a fall? That's a good question. And something we don't really talk a lot about, but yeah, landing on the ground or on a, on a lower surface that you did not intend to land on, if that makes sense, that is what is considered a fall. So an accident, for example, like someone running into you and causing you to fall, that, like the dog running into me, my, my new puppy who does it often and causes me to fall, which has happened on one occasion, that is not necessarily considered a fall. That's an accident. And it's important to note too, that not all falls include a medical event. So maybe you slip or you trip, or even you fall back into a chair. Think about that. I, I know my grandpa did that a lot. He would try to get the momentum to get up from his chair to stand up and he would lose his balance and you know, flop back down into his Mm -hmm. chair. That would be an example of, of a fall. So what really contributes to a person's risk of falling? Well, there really truly are several risk factors that contribute to falls, and most falls are caused by a combination of risk factors. So there's some just kind of internal, I guess, risk factors that a person has that puts them at greater risk. So some we can change and some we can't. So some things like age, you know, the the risk of injury and death related to a fall increases with age. We can look at gender a little bit. We know that men are more likely to die from a fall and women are more likely to experience a non-fatal fall injury, which would then for a woman lead to more frequent or longer hospital admissions, possibly long-term care. And then we can look at ethnic background a bit too, knowing that white women are more likely to experience a fall-related hip fracture than African American women. So those are things that we can't really change. But then we've got some respecters that we can change and those are that we can maybe do a little bit more about at least or think about. And those are going to be things um, that we often categorize into three types. So we look at behavioral risk factors, physical risk factors, and environmental risk factors. So an example of the behavioral risk factors may have been an example with your mom. You know, she was out doing something maybe a little more rigorous than she should have been. That could be an example that that could have led to her fall. My mom, for example, without my dad anymore at the house, she gets on the ladder to hang her Christmas lights. And the neighbor will end up calling me saying, Amy, your mom's on the ladder again. And I'm like, oh my goodness. You know, so those would be some behavioral examples of, of things that people are doing that could lead to a fall. I also think I'm going to add into this category the fear of falling. This could also kind of go into the physical risk factor too, but a fear of falling can create a lot of problems for, for anybody. And so it contributes to the cycle of inactivity, which leads to muscle atrophy and muscle weakness. And so we know if your muscles are weak, that's why it could also be in the physical category, you know, that you are more susceptible to a fall to um, fear of falling leads to social isolation because now if I call you, you may not want to go somewhere with me because of that fear of falling or the embarrassment of what if I fall again, people aren't going to want to be around me or the fear too of if I fall this last time, I didn't get that hurt or or maybe I did and I don't want that to happen again. I don't want to get hurt or I don't want to have to go through that again. And so that fear of falling is really this ongoing concern that can prohibit a person from doing activities that they still may want to do, but won't do, you know, again, because because of that fear. You know, Amy, as you're talking about both of those, and I think about um, both of my grandmothers, and one would fall in each category. One of them was a real go-getter, and so she probably did too much, and she did fall several times. And then, but my other grandmother, she had this fear of falling, and so she would kind of shuffle her feet when she would walk, 
or she would like reach back to grab a hold of, of one of us that would really and truly make her the, just the way that she tried to move, we always felt like made her much more likely to fall as opposed to just trying to, to kind of have just standard normal movement. Yeah. And I had a grandmother, Jennifer, in a similar situation where she, she was a nurse too of, of all professions and she refused. She had osteoporosis. So she was very hunched over, especially as she got older and she was in her late eighties when she passed away. Um, but she refused to use a walker or a mobility device. And especially for me in, in, in my uh, you know profession, I would say to her a couple of things, actually, you know, one, the mo- mobility device when used properly is going to help protect you from a fall. But two, just from a vanity standpoint, you're not going to look like it was her word, an invalid, because the mobility device is going to help you stand up straighter and give you that support and that confidence. But she just had it in her head that mobility devices were for old people, old, frail, sick people. And it was really hard for any of us really to convince her that at 88, she was old and frail (laughs) and sick. And I mean, we laugh, but she was very susceptible for falls. And it was always a concern. And I will say it it did prevent us sometimes from when we would visit taking her places because of our fear of her, for her, for her safety. Um, And so, you know, that's kind of an interesting spin on that too, but similar to, to some of the stories that you shared with your grandparents. So it really is important, those physical risk factors. We really do, you know, you hear us talk about throughout the, or, or across the life course, how important it is for physical activity, but for our older adults, especially, I mean, having good balance, flexibility, um, some muscle and strength, you know, that can really help us with preventing falls. So again, we can't say it enough that regardless of your age, we want people to have strength, balance, and coordination. And those are three things that we know in regards to physical activity that can help prevent prevent falls. And like I said, too, the, the whole thing with mobility devices, I think people don't realize. And in an age simulation that I've, I've done with extension and even in some classes at UK, we talk about the proper way to use a walker or a cane or even a wheelchair. So you see um, sometimes people at a grocery store, maybe for example, and I'll see them with their walker stretched way out in front of them and then they kind of walk into it. Well, that's right. not a proper way to use it. And so really that mobility device is contributing to fall risk. And so there are physical therapists out there. There are healthcare providers who can really work with you to learn how to properly use that mobility device and also to check your shoes. You know, sometimes we don't have proper footwear. My dad, for example, used to wear a pair of slides that he liked. They're almost like a slipper kind of slide. And it drove me crazy because I just knew at some point in time, he was going to slide right out of those shoes and onto a sidewalk and, and, you know, potentially break a hip or something. So I think that's something else we've got to think about, you know, little things like that, that may not cross our minds, but the proper way to use a mobility device and, and shoes. What about okay. environmental risk factors? Like yeah, I was just going to say, house? yeah, another area are, is the environmental risk factors. And so we spend a ton of time in our homes, especially right now, especially this year in 2020. And so there are hazards in our homes that we don't think about. So that could be dark rooms, poorly lit hallways, stairways. It could be railings that are loose. And those are, it sounds silly maybe, but those are easy things for us to fix, but they're easy things for us to overlook as well. 
well. So, Agreed. you know, there's that, that silly show, um, Modern Family, and there was that ongoing storyline of a step of, I don't know if anyone watches that, but there's a loose step that Phil Dumphy, the dad, one of the dads was supposed to fix and they would trip on it or someone would trip on it and the, they'd get hung up on this step. And I always had to laugh as someone who looks at and studies fall prevention because I thought that's a fall hazard. Right. But it was one of those things that it's easy for us to, oh, I'll fix it next week. I'll fix it next time I'm in town. I'll tighten that railing next time. But those are things we really don't want to put off because it's that one fall. That's what I always say. It just takes one fall to break your hip and change your life or the life of your family. Um, and, and that's that's real. You know, so other things you want to look for maybe in bathrooms, depending on where a towel bar is located, people are tend to use a towel bar as a grab bar. Towel bars are not grab bars, but they're sometimes conveniently placed where yes. they might help me get off a toilet or out of a shower or something. And so those really need to be replaced with proper grab bars that are properly mounted onto walls so that you can actually put your weight on those and, and use them as a grab bar should be used. Things outside your house that you want to look for as well, uneven sidewalks. And even if someone has moved to a new space, this might not be something you think about, but I use the example of at nighttime, if I go to bed and you kind of have a habitual routine, I know exactly what I do. I could do it with my eyes closed or in the dark, you know, brush my teeth, wash my face, go to bed. If I get up in the middle of the night and I've got to go to the bathroom, I always have a nightlight on in our house. But even if that nightlight wasn't on, I could get myself into that bathroom. It's just, I know it. I know the space. Mm -hmm. I know the steps. However, if you move to a new area, that habitual routine isn't going to be there for you. It and changes. so it changes. Yeah. And so it's really important in an environment that might not be as familiar to make sure it's well lit, especially at night, especially if you're getting up to go to the bathroom and you might have one of those, oh my gosh, moments, I really need to go, you know, and move quickly. And the other there too is looking at clutter, making sure you may have, you know, left that shirt you took off before you went to bed on the floor, but make sure it's not in a walkway. And that goes for other areas in your house too. You know, if the grandkids are visiting or, you know, you've just kind of left some junk around, those are things that are, are, we forget that they're there or that the dog is there. If you've got grandkids in the house or babies or visitors, you know, things that aren't typically on your floor can really hang people up. And that's stuff we don't always, always think about. So those are some of the environmental risk factors that I think are important. And we'll post um, at the end of this podcast too, or online, the CDC provides a really helpful brochure, which is called Check for Safety, a home prevention checklist for older adults. And it actually walks you through your home room by room. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, to help you identify potential hazards and how to fix them. It's a really, really helpful guide. Yeah, we'll be certain to get that link into the show notes so our listeners can go back and reference it. Yeah, it's really helpful. When I think about older adults, I also think about some of the medical-related factors such as vision loss or chronic illness. What role do medical-related conditions have with falls? Big. Yeah, absolutely big. So vision is one of those things where it just, our vision, even if you've got great vision your whole life, at some point it starts to decline a little bit. And that could just be normal age-related decline or or conditions of the eye disorders, diseases that are very common in, you know, with aging, including things like cataracts, glaucoma, macular degeneration. Therefore, it's really important to make sure that you have annual eye exams. And they should, the recommendation is to start at around age 50. However, they should start younger or multiple times a year if you have a history of vision trouble or current problems with vision. 
And it's also important that people think about their corrective lenses. Are they appropriate? Um, Are they updated? Are old prescriptions up to date? Or have you just been going around with that same prescription for a long, you know, extended period of time? If you get new prescriptions, it's also important to have kind of a, I guess, a trial period, you could say, just to try to get used to them. Yeah, especially if you've gone going into bifocals or trifocals or some sort of progressive lens, you know, you're going to really have to take the time to adjust, especially when you're navigating, you know, steps in particular, because those are dangerous, you know, on a, on a, on a good vision day. I think too, just making sure that you're taking care of your eye health and not putting things off like a cataract surgery. You know, your doctor may say to you, ah, you, you know, you may not have to do it tomorrow, but you know, at some point you're going to have to do it. So I think it's just important right. to work with your healthcare professionals and, you know, and just be, stay on top of, of that. Because again, I always say it, I've said it multiple times already. It just takes one fall to change, to change your life. And that's too bad. And so chronic conditions are the same way. And it's not, again, we can't necessarily prevent some of these chronic conditions. I mean, lifestyle changes. I know we've talked about those things, the way in which you eat and sleep and manage stress and, and, you know, your physical activity for sure can decrease risk factors. But if you have a chronic condition, then you do have to think about ways in which that may contribute to your fall risk. And so some examples may include, you know, diabetes that might change the sensation in your feet, which might make you more susceptible to falling. Arthritis can cause pain that may make you adjust the way in which you walk, um, which can throw you off balance. Strokes can cause weakness on one side of your body or change the perception, um, you know, the way in which you take in the environment. So it's things like that, you know, neurological disorders can affect balance and and increase fall risks. Chronic pain can do the same thing. Depression, medications for depression are known to have some side effects that can increase people's risk for falling. So again, it's just being aware and really talking with and working with your um, healthcare provider. It's always encouraged that you have one pharmacist who hopefully you may even be able to have a relationship with, but at least that person will know what all your medications are. That's a great tip. Yeah. And it's important too to go over those medications with your healthcare provider, with a pharmacist, so that they can kind of monitor like, whoa, you know, we're on certain things. I mean, it's amazing that with, with medication in particular, that average number of prescription medications taken by people over 65 is around six, six prescriptions. Yet we know the risk for falling increases after four, you know, so we know older adults are on meds, a lot of them, not everybody, but we also know then that there are interactions that can take place with multiple medications that, that we just need to be, you know, thinking about. I think all good information, Amy. So what should we do if a person does actually have a fall occur? So that's a good question too. And it's something maybe you don't think about when we're talking about fall prevention awareness. Okay. So now you've fallen. What, I can't, what do I've I fallen, do now? I can't get up. Right. <laughs> what do you do? And so this is important to talk about as well. So I appreciate you asking that for sure. And so one is you want to make sure, you know, you're checking for injury or some sort of serious medical condition. And, and you may or may not know, to be honest, if you don't know but wonder, then you're best off to call for help. You know, hopefully you've got a cell phone on you or somewhere near, you can yell out to someone to say, you know, I've fallen and I need help. Do not be embarrassed. Things like this happen. Young people fall, older adults fall. There's all these reasons why it happens, but don't try to be a hero here. You know, and again, if you have any doubt, you're better off to stay on the ground until someone can come to assist you. 
Now, if you think you can get up and, and, you know, a couple of things you want to think about, and that is give yourself a second because your body has just kind of gone through a, a, a little bit of a traumatic event. Shock. Yeah, a little bit of shock, a little bit of maybe embarrassment, like you said, with your mom. But you want to make sure that if you just jump up, you know, you're at risk of falling again because you may get too dizzy, you know, the the change from getting up and down or down and up too quickly. So you want to roll over naturally, turning your head kind of in the, the direction of the roll in, in which you're kind of already facing. Again, give it a second. If you reassess and think, oh, something could be wrong call for help. If you have hit your head, I didn't say that earlier, but if you have hit your head, call for help. Traumatic brain injuries are the most, falls are the most common cause of traumatic brain injuries. So if you think there's a head injury involved, call for help. So now you've rolled over, you're facing the direction that you were, you've given it a couple of seconds to kind of reassess. Then you want, if you can, crawl to a piece of strong or stable furniture, something like a chair or something that's nearby that you can use to help pull yourself up. And you want to approach that piece of furniture, that chair, whatever it is, from the front so that you can put both hands on it, you know, on the seat or whatever it may be, and then get to your knees and slowly begin to rise. And you want to use a knee potentially or hopefully one at a time, whichever one is stronger, and then slowly be able to pull yourself up. If it's a chair, then you potentially can, you know, twist yourself around and sit and again, reassess the situation. But the best thing to do also is report that fall. Tell a family member, you, depending on what the situation is, you may or may not have to tell a healthcare provider at your next appointment, you should for sure to say, you know, I fell because it could be one of those things like with your mom, it could have just been a fluke thing. You were outside and you know exactly why it happened. That happens to all of us. However, if if it was kind of a a situation in which you can't really explain why it happened, then there could be something medical going on. And so in those cases, that's why we want to always encourage you to report a fall to a medical healthcare or, you know, a healthcare provider. And I think it's a good tip, regardless of your age, that if you've had a fall to share it with someone, just so that there's that extra person there to say, hey, are you okay in a a little bit, that I, I think that's a good reminder for all of us. Yeah. And I want to add on to that too, especially in times of quarantine right now. You know, I do worry with my mom being a widow and and living by herself. We do kind of have a system in our family that we check on her. And so if someone hasn't talked to her and then she's very healthy, but if someone hasn't heard or checked on her in a couple of days, you know, I will say it crosses my mind. Has she fallen down the stairs? You know, we just want to make sure someone's touched base with her. So I encourage other families to do that as well. Um, You know, because a fall can happen really easily and it can happen really fast. Right. Definitely. So Amy, you've talked about various things people can do or keep in mind to prevent falls. What sorts of programs exist to support fall prevention? We have a lot of programs out there and and an extension in particular with FCS extension, we offer some of our agents are trained in a program called a matter of balance. And this is an evidence-based national program. And it looks at helping kind of build confidence and addresses fear of falling, but it also has some strength training and mobility exercises to just help people stay physically active to combat falling. 
And then there's some other ones too. Uh, again, we're working with um, Western Kentucky and on a program called Bingo Size, and we're looking to implement that with FCS Extension as well. But that's also a national evidence-based program that makes kind of learning about falls and fall prevention exercise. It makes it a little bit more fun. YMCAs throughout the, um, the state and country offer programs like Tai Chi and different programs that are focused on um, balance and meditation and flexibility, strength training. And so really, I think there's a wide variety of programs depending on kind of what your interest is. And so you can call your local FCS um, extension agent, you could call your local YMCA, or even your area agency on aging to ask what evidence-based fall prevention programs may be in your area and, and who's teaching those. Amy, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing information on falls and also helping us better understand that falling is just not an inevitable result of aging, that there are things that folks can do in terms of lifestyle adjustments or um, joining one of the fall prevention programs that you just mentioned or reaching out to their healthcare community to help reduce their risk of falling or a loved one's risk of falling. And as you mentioned earlier, that there are um, several resources available and we will be certain to link those in the show notes today for our listeners. Great. Thanks so much, Jennifer, for for highlighting this important topic. And I hope that during Fall Prevention Awareness Week, people get out there and do something to help prevent falls or help an older adult in their life prevent them. Great. Thanks so much, Amy. Thank you for listening to Talking Facts. We deliver programs focusing on nutrition and health, resource management, family development, and civic engagement. If you enjoyed today's podcast, have a question or a show topic idea, leave a like and comment on Facebook at UKFCSEXT. Visit us online at fcs.uky.edu to learn more about the University of Kentucky Family and Consumer Sciences Extension Program or contact your local extension agent for family and consumer sciences. We build strong families. It starts with us.